welcome my Force-sensitive friends to the 54th ever full episode of Holy Star Wars. As always, I'm Jason, and feel free to join in the conversation before, during, and after the show via email at holystarwars at gmail.com, and on Twitter at holy underscore star underscore wars. This week, we're shifting away from the Clone Wars for a bit to get into a comics groove. We're taking on the first arc from the Kanan comic book series, The Last Padawan. Alongside these six issues, we'll be looking at an Indian folktale called The Magic Fiddle. All this through the theme of hiding. Now that Star Wars Rebels finale is behind us by more than a week, we breathe a bit. It was an emotional final three weeks, that is for sure. But we're not a review show here, and we are a long ways from getting into Rebels on the show, here by nature of the fact that I somewhat go in the release date order of things that we cover on the Star Wars side of the show. But that doesn't stop us from talking about the 2015 comic book run, seeing as it's one of the earliest releases of the new canon. I've only actually read the first arc to this point, and I haven't read New Dawn yet, so the Kanan and Hera, that's the Kanan and Hera focused book, so it's exciting getting into something I'm actually still catching up on. This comic series gives us a look into a young Kanan Jarrus, one of the Rebels' protagonists, as he escapes the fate of Order 66 and has to survive without a master and without an order. I mean, basically, the whole arc is about him hiding, both physically and emotionally. Kanan is hiding from the clones that killed his master, and know he's still out there somewhere, but is also hiding his true identity as a Jedi. Not from, o- o- not from his new friend Janice Casimir, though, which more on in a moment, but of course he's hiding for not only his own self-preservation as a Jedi being hunted down and killed, him specifically, but also to protect those around him. Revealing himself as a Jedi would only serve to get anybody who knows in trouble simply for knowing. His hiding seems mostly righteous in this way, but... It also means not using his abilities when they could be helping people instead, in need. That is certainly a moral conundrum Caleb slash Kanan is unsure how to grapple with. He doesn't hide from Janus, though, and that's fairly interesting to me. As soon as he meets the guy, he reveals to him that he's a Jedi, nonchalant, as if it's no big deal. Maybe it's his youth and innocence that keeps him from realizing that revealing himself to be a Jedi can be extraordinarily dangerous. Maybe it's just a matter of the shock hasn't set in yet, and... He doesn't even realize the entire galaxy just flipped on its head. Either way, young Mr. Doom does a lot of hiding in these pages, but yet he doesn't hide from the scoundrel he's never met and has no reason to trust. I might not know exactly what it is yet that is says about his character, but it definitely says a lot of something. The Magic Fiddle is a folktale that was written by an English storyteller, actually, named Joseph Jacobs. He's the same person, by chance, that wrote the story of Mel Dewin from way back in the episode 5 of the podcast. He was not the author of most of the stories he wrote, just the translator and redactor. He wrote many books compiling folktales from all different parts of the world, including the Book of Wonder Voyages that Mel Dewin comes from, and the 1892 classic this week's story comes from, Indian Fairy Tales. The story itself, based on some of the language in it, likely comes from somewhere in eastern India from the Santal people, one of the Adivasi peoples, the ethnic and religious minority indigenous peoples of main, mainland South Asia. The Santali people have their own religion and language, and this story likely comes from them given the reference to their gods in it. The story goes that once there was a family of seven brothers and a sister. The men's wives were insanely jealous of the sister and her position in the house as chief cook, so they banded together to have her done away with. They called up a banga, a spirit go- uh, slash god, to take care of her. So the banga did curse the sister by dooming her next trip to the water to fetch water. 
When she went, the water suddenly disappeared, all having drained, and then suddenly refilled again. But she found her jug wouldn't go in the water. The water kept rising up to her ankles, up to her knees, and she was calling out for help, and kept rising, and up to her chest, and up to her chin, until she drowned. She wasn't killed, though. She woke in the form of a shaft of bamboo, having herself been turned into a manga. So, the woman sat upon the shore she was rooted to until one day, a yogi man, somebody from a lower caste, or a yogi, yogi, not entirely certain how to pronounce it, but think of yoga. Come, that's where the word yoga comes from, and a yogi, somebody who practices yoga um, in the like actual, real, cultural way, not talking about the cultural appropriation that we do here in the West. But um, a yogi man, somebody from a lower caste, came and cut her down to turn her into a fiddle having been just magically drawn to her, inexplicably. He became the greatest fiddler in all the land, and his fiddle itself was just incredible. It sounded so amazing. It put people to tears. In the course of his traveling about playing, he would often stop at the house a woman once lived in, and there, the sisters-in-law wept at the incredible music. One husband tried to buy the fiddle. He loved it so much, but the man refused, since it was his whole life, this fiddle. Then, one day, the yogi was playing for the leader of the village, and the chief of the village asked the same, but Fiddler refused to all the same. So the chief conspired to steal the fiddle, replacing it with a worse knockoff. The yogi knew that he had been duped, but being of a lower caste, he couldn't do anything about it. Well, the woman turned banga was still an Indian woman of the time and felt a deep desire to cook the chief meals like she used to do at home for her brothers. And I'm sure she enjoyed it too, since she was Pretty darn good at it, apparently, but the chief was so confused where this food was coming from. He thought at first it was from an admirer, but soon became irrationally upset that he was being fed by somebody without knowing who it was. So one night, the chief was hiding, trying to discover who it was that was doing this cooking, and what he found was that a tiny woman, a manga, that had come out from inside the fiddle and cooked the food. So he pounced when he made the discovery, and the manga's immediate response was, of course, that she was a lower that she was of a lower caste and couldn't possibly marry him. I don't know why this is the very first words out of her mouth, but I can only relay the story. I can't impart my own culture onto it. So the story continues that the chief told the banga that it didn't matter what caste she was of, he loved her, and he would make her his wife. And so she did. And one day, the banga's old family came back to the chief's residence to seek help when they had fallen poor. It was just her brothers, and she gave them food and water and then proceeded to lecture them on how awful their wives had treated her and what they had done to curse her. She concluded by saying simply, You must have known it all, and yet you did not interfere to save me. Joseph Jacobs finishes the story simply by stating, And that was all the revenge she took. As in, just telling them what, they had, what, what their wives had done wrong to her, and that they had been wrong for ignoring it all those years. Such a complex story, I think. There's several themes of hiding involved. The first one I want to get into is the fact that the bongo was literally hiding inside the fiddle. Like, you know that she was turned into bamboo, but you never would have thought that she was actually hiding inside the fiddle the whole time. The impression I get is that she hides in there specifically because she is a lower caste than everyone else and would not be permitted to intermingle with even the yogi, let alone the people he played for. As much as I want to judge the heck out of this story for how messed up that is, I can't really chastise the culture the story is based within. I mean, I can outside of the context of the story, and I will, because 
I'm of the belief that cultural norms are not an excuse for restricting people's or women's autonomies and agencies. But within the context of the story itself, the fact that she is hiding is super interesting to me. And why she chooses to eventually come out of hiding is even more so. She's hiding because she knows that she is out of her place and cannot be mingling amongst the people she's around. She hides for fear of how she'll be treated, and it will not be good if she comes out. It's also partially because she's a bonga, and that makes it even harder for her to feel like it would be acceptable for her to reveal herself. Yet, when presented with the opportunity to do what she believes is her purpose, to cook and serve meals to the chief, she does it. I mean, this is what her cast and her lot in life is in the context of the story. That is what her, her purpose in life is, is literally to serve others, to cook. And so she comes out of hiding to do what connects her to her old, normal life before she was cursed. It's certainly a bit backwards, yes, but it's the reality of her world. Kanan and her have this trait somewhat in common. They both are hiding for fear of their lives, though obviously in entirely different contexts. And they come out of their hiding immediately when they feel a calling, even if it's somewhat of a re- of a even if it's only somewhat of a reveal. Caleb slash Kanan comes out of hiding when he is captured by the clones and needs not only to escape, but wants desperately to show them that they've been brainwashed. You know, it's his Jedi way to want nothing more than to help others. The Bonga was a new has a new man to serve, and so she does. They both hear their callings and spring out of hiding and into action, Kanan and the Bonga. And they both do pretty alright with it too. Caleb somehow convinces one of the clones and the Bongo manages to get a husband of a higher social status nonetheless. For both characters, they show that they can't hide their true selves in the face of their calling, even if their callings are less than great. So, what does this show us that can make our own world better and more full? I think it shows that there's plenty of good reasons and plenty of emotionally understandable reasons to hide ourselves, both physically and otherwise. But as humans, are really, we're really bad at hiding our true natures forever. Just because they're hiding doesn't mean that they're gone and they're not there. They can be pulled right back out of us with the right stimulation. Can't hide from ourselves. Essentially is, I think, the moral of both of these stories. No matter how much the hiding might have a purpose, and no matter how much the hiding might actually be for our own health and safety and the safety of people around us, we ultimately cannot hide from our natures. And um, while I think that the moral that the folktale espouses of what this woman's purpose is is abhorrent and very, very, very challenging, it still ultimately shows that lesson of, you know, can't hide from our nature, can't hide from ourselves. And I chose to use this this story, even though it's very challenging and um. There's a similar reason why I chose the last story that I used from actually a, the same region of India. It comes from a different culture, I, I, if I recall correctly. Back in, um, in a previous episode, with the number I cannot recall off the top of my head, we some on occasion use stories that are somewhat you know more challenging than normal and um, have cultural references in them that are sexist and classist and i think that it's still important to be able to recognize that you know one these are stories and they exist and we can't deny the fact that these stories exist no matter how we feel about them they're real and these are cultures that persist today and if we feel strongly as them as i do and as we should then you know what do we choose to do about that um 
And I think that at the very least, an important part about what we choose to do with it is taking the lessons that those stories give us, the the positive lessons from these less than positive stories, and utilize those lessons to be able to further our points and show that, you know, we can find other ways of being able to make the same lessons without being able without uh without putting other people down in the process. You know? We can use the lessons that these stories give us to be able to say, yes, there's this story that gives us the lesson, but also think about some of the other ways that we can learn this lesson and other contexts that we can find the same lesson in and um you know, preserve other people's dignities while still then learning the same lesson these less than savory stories provide us. I don't know if that made sense, but I think ultimately it's, it's important to use some of these less than great morally standing stories in order to, like I said, one, to recognize that these stories do exist and they're real and they, and they represent cultures that continue to persist today, and two, to be able to, you know, feel inspired by challenge to uh that the stories provide to go off and make our world better and more full so that um these stories can not continue to be the norm and we can find better and new stories to give the same lessons but of course as always that's just my opinion and i'd love to hear yours Write us at HolyStarWars at gmail.com and hit us up on Twitter at Holy underscore Star underscore Wars. I'd love to know what you think about all that that I just was talking about with regards to these challenging stories, as well as the theme, the stories themselves, and this whole episode. I'm thinking about doing for next episode the first arc of the Darth Vader comic series, the first volume from 2015. I don't think I've covered that arc yet, and uh, it'll be fun. I'll keep you all updated as much as possible. Perhaps this week will be the week I finally step up my game again. And uh, I'll be looking forward to it, and I hope you will be too. Thanks for listening.